Here on Gadget Lab, we dive deep into the tech universe, tackling questions like, is giving companies access to your genetic material a good idea? And are the latest phone releases really that different than the last ones? We want to help you make informed decisions about what is worth your attention. And here's something that is undeniably worth your time, a digital subscription to Wired. Lucky for you, we are giving Gadget Lab listeners an exclusive discount, 20% off an annual subscription to Wired. Just visit Wired.com and use the promo code GL20 to get 20% off a digital subscription. Use GL20 to get exclusive access to stories on the latest innovations like AI, deepfakes, and VR, as well as today's most talked about people in technology. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. Lauren. Mike. I'm trying to remember if we've ever done this before. Uh, we we record a podcast every week, bro. <laughs> no, I mean, do a show where the entire episode is just recommendations. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. But the people have been clamoring for this. Friends of the pod, fans of the pod tell me that they love our recommendation segment. Okay, well, that's good because it's probably better for us to wrap up the year by doing that than trying to predict whatever the hell is going to happen to technology in 2024. Yes, very hard to predict these days. Elon Musk sells Twitter. Mm. Apple brings iMessage to Android. Nope. The U.S. elects a robot president. Who knows? <laughs> the world is wide and anything can happen. Exactly. So we might as well end the year by just going over our favorite life hacks and items that we love to help ease people into next year. If such a thing is possible, I'm all here for it. <laughs> all right, let's do it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gadget Lab. I am Michael Calori. I'm a senior editor at Wired. And I'm Lauren Good. I'm a senior writer at Wired. We are also joined in the studio by our producer, Boone Ashworth, in front of the mic. Hey, I'm on mic now. What's going on, <laughs> Boone, gang? Boone! Chip Charlie Black! Yay, For those yeah, who don't get you... the reference, that's the name of the executive producer of The Morning Show, a show about a show. And oh. Boone is our own beloved Charlie Chip Black. I know. I've finally watched that show now, and I finally get the reference. You get and, it. And uh, I think I'm, I feel complimented. I'm not sure. <laughs> you <Hey>. should. <laughs> Mark Duplass is great. You should. You should feel disturbed. I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. Deeply unnerved. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Well, as we mentioned for today's show, we want to celebrate the end of the year with an episode that is all recommendations. Usually we end every episode of the Gadget Lab by asking all of us in the studio to go around the room and tell us about a thing that they'd recommend. It's usually a book, an app, a movie, a news article, a podcast, a food item. It's sort of like the dessert at the end of the healthy meal, which is our regular show. Well, today to suit the holidays, this entire show is going to be just the dessert. Mike, I have a question for you. Okay. Before we get started. I mean, the podcast recommendation segment, that's not a new thing, right? You're someone who's been podcasting for a while, and there was an era where a lot of shows had a recommendation segment, but we do it better, right? <laughs> Why is that? Is she calling you a hack? <laughs> I think she is. She may be. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying you're uh, you're seasoned. You're good at this. And and tell the people why we do recommendations and why and why they're so fun. Well, thank you. Um, we started doing them just as a way to introduce a little bit of personality into the show. You know, I think when you have a news show and you're talking about serious topics all the time, you do get to know a little bit about the people who are who are telling you their their about their reporting and maybe their opinions on the news, the analysis that they provide. The recommendations just gives you a little bit more insight into their brain. Also, it's a reason to stick around until the end. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's the ultimate tease. And we're always so grateful to people who listen to get to our recommendations. Like, I personally feel touched when I get a note from a fan and they're like, oh, love the Gilad life hack of slicing lemons. And I'm like, that person is committed to the Gadget Lab podcast. Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to we're going to never live that one down. <laughs> OK, well, let's start with you, Lauren. OK, you get to go first. What is your recommendation? It's so hard to distill an entire year's worth of recommendation down to three. But one of my biggest life hacks this year, if you want to call it that, is weightlifting. I got back into a weightlifting program. It's not anything super aggressive. I found it manageable enough to get a couple of weightlifting sessions done most weeks of the year, except for when I was traveling or maybe taking some other kind of break. Uh, fortunately, I didn't suffer any injuries, so I was able to keep doing it. But I found it to be great. I, I feel myself getting stronger. Like, you know that feeling when you have a really heavy delivery box land on your front stoop and you can barely lift it and you've got to like do some geometric sort of turnover of the thing just to get it across your front step. Like I can lift those boxes now and it feels it feels actually amazing. Uh, and it's something that I've just been conscious of, like as I get a little bit older, right, thinking about things like the loss of muscle mass or my bone density and things like that. So I've gotten more into weightlifting uh, it wouldn't be the Gadget Lab unless I gave a shameless plug for one of our earlier episodes where we had Casey Johnston on the show. She's the author of a blog called She's a Beast, which is all about supporting women and their weightlifting journeys. And you don't have to be like super into weightlifting. It's meant to be accessible. Uh, and I found it to be a really inspiring conversation. And um, I was already weightlifting at that point, but it kind of fueled my belief, I guess no pun intended, that um, that weightlifting was a good thing to do. So um, if you are able-bodied and you have access to weights, I recommend giving it a try. Maybe 2024 goals. So what is the one thing that somebody should do if they want to get into weightlifting? Hmm. Well, I would say don't just go to the gym and start picking up barbells. Uh, that's a fast way to probably injuring yourself because your form is very important. And it's important for like your back strength. And I mean, you just really don't want to hurt yourself, which which is 
quite possible. So start off slow, uh, watch some tutorials, read Casey's blog, maybe get a book. I used a book that I had picked up like 20 years ago and just sort of resurfaced. Um, and start, you know, start off light. Don't go at it super hard to start. It's okay. You have time. You can build it up. Uh, that would be my number one piece of advice. Nice. Good Are recommendation. You guys nope. Love them. Mm. <laughs> love them. Heavier the better. Em? Heavier the better. Uh, no, I, uh, Lauren, I feel like uh, probably your journey that you've been on has uh, inspired something similar to me because we we had this conversation in the Gadget Lab studio months ago where I just kind of made jokes about wouldn't it be fun if I was just like super ripped? Like how weird would that be? <laughs> yeah. You know, I had never been into fitness or anything at any point in my life. Um, I, you know, I'm really good at sitting in a chair in front of a computer. Um, and I think it was right around the same time that we had Casey Johnston on the podcast. And uh, we kind of just all had this conversation about like, oh, well, th no, that's possible. That's a thing that you can just do. And there's resources out there for you to do it. Um, Jay Dayrit recommended the Nike training app that I've been using for a while. I've recently found this other YouTube uh, series of a woman named Carolyn Gervan, who has a, uh, it's called the Iron Series, and it's like a six-week video series, um, and they're half hour long, and each one of them kicks my ass, and for some reason, I've been like weirdly addicted yes. to them. My sister-in-law was just talking about this. Oh, She's amazing. supposedly amazing. Yeah, no, fantastic. Like, at first, I started watching them, and I was like, oh, this isn't really my thing. I don't know that I'm going to be good at this, and then you do one or two of them and are just completely exhausted by the end of it, but you feel the results. But Boone, one of your actual recommendations is related but not the same to this uh yes yeah i was gonna jump off of yours if it is in fact my turn it uh, is your turn boone oh good my recommendation is half marathons uh not full not full marathons full marathons are scary that's a lot <laughs> uh i ran two half marathons this year and i have signed up for three more next year because apparently i'm addicted to it now nice um it's just really nice to have that goal and it's a goal that feels somewhat, I mean, I want to say achievable, but 13 miles is a lot. That's a lot to run. That's a crazy <laughs> amount. Like people who do ultra marathons, like our former editor-in-chief, Nick Thompson, will run 100 miles or whatever. And the, I, I can't wrap my head around that because you have to be like a different kind of human <laughs> to be able to do it. <laughs> to be clear, Nick recently ran 50 yeah, I, 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 I just took it for 100 miles. as well. And I, I he said, no, 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 it was 50. And I said... And when you finished that one, did you think, oh, I could do that again? And he said, oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, no. So See, he is that kind of person. Okay. I, I did a half marathon uh, one time, or I did the first one, and I felt like I could not walk. Like I had to sit down and I just, I, I couldn't think. My brain didn't work because 13 You're really miles selling it here. Is a lot. Oh, it's lovely. I love it. But then I did it again and I felt great because I had trained and practiced up until then. And having that like deadline on your calendar, having that thing you know, six months or whatever in advance and being like, okay, I need to get ready to run a pretty ridiculous distance um, motivates me to run more. Um, I'm really good at finding excuses to be like, oh, well, I don't need to go today. It's kind of wet outside or I'm tired. You know, it's really easy to find an excuse to not do it. And, and having, I need a deadline. I'm saying as I'm gazing into the eyes of my editor <laughs> who knows how important deadlines are. Who's giving you the eyebrows. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, so just having those deadlines uh, makes makes it an easier thing to build towards. I completely agree. You know, talking with one of my best friends who's a running coach, her advice is you put money on the table, like sign up for a race so that you have something to work 
towards. Yeah. And it really does go a long way towards actually getting you out. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, what is your recommendation? Your first recommendation? My first recommendation is Activity Pub. You may have heard of it. Uh, is that a gym app? It's not a gym app. It's like... It has nothing to do with physical fitness. Uh, it has to do with uh, health of the internet, I guess. Um, Activity Pub was a very big story this year, and I think it's going to be an even bigger story next year. So when it pops up and becomes a thing in the world, you should embrace it. You should try to use it. It is sort of hearkening back to a time when social media first sort of emerged as like a new phenomenon on the internet, where when you published a post to one social network, you could read it on another social network or the feeds basically went out and they could be captured by clients. So you could have a client and you could open up that client. You could see your friends tweets and your friends Facebook posts and your friends LinkedIn posts and all of the social activity that was happening on the social web in one place. Wait, what were some of these clients? Well, the big one was friend feed which Facebook purchased uh, and then incorporated some of the flow technology in FriendFeed into the newsfeed. But that basically signaled to everybody that it was going away. So that vision of the social web being something that is like permeable went away and it turned into these silos, these walled gardens. So when you tweet, you know, you can you can look at Twitter and you can see all the tweets, but there's nothing else in your in your Twitter feed. So um, this was sort of a, a big letdown for everybody who had struggled and fought to keep the social web open. And it is possible to have these open systems still and to build things against them. But the social web really is not made that way anymore. So now that Twitter is collapsing in front of us and we have all of these new competitors out there, threads mastodon blue sky etc all of those are struggling to find an audience and i think they're all realizing that the way that you get an audience is you open up so maybe they'll all close down again but for the time being they're opening up and they have all pledged in some way to support activity pub activity pub is a protocol that allows all of these social networks to talk to each other so when you're on Mastodon, you'll be able to theoretically see your friends' posts on threads. You'll be able to like and reply to those posts. You'll be able to see your friends' blue sky posts. Maybe even you'll get to see their X tweets, X posts, whatever you, we're calling them these days. So it's a promise that the social web is going to be open again. And ActivityPub is the mechanism that's going to make it possible. So in the new year, when you see clients coming out to support ActivityPub or you see announcements that these companies are going to start publishing their feeds with ActivityPub, then you should get excited and you should figure out how to follow your friends on various social networks and embrace the interoperability, our favorite word, <laughs> on the on the social web. So that's that's my recommendation. But Mike, how did ActivityPub change your life in 2023? It didn't. I don't know, Boone. Should we disqualify this one? This is a little forward-looking from my taste. No, this is this is my my recommendation is to dream of this future and make it happen for all of us, for yourself and for all of us. Good one. I feel like an important part of 2023 is setting up 2024. <laughs> Actually, okay, no, I do have an answer to that question. The way that Activity Pub did something for me in 2023 was it made me feel smart because when people started talking about it, I knew what they were talking about. 
it was a deeply technical thing that I was like, oh, I understand how that works. And you had enough and you had enough context to say, and this is this is why it's good for the social web. Yeah. I love the idea of being able to just log into one spot like 14 times and then not have to worry about it. Yeah. That's that's the promise, yeah, that's right? Wonderful. Yep, Hopefully. <laughs> and then if social networks come and go, then you can maintain your presence in some way. Yeah. yeah. It's not all for naught. Not all for naught. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, let's take a quick break and we're gonna come back with more recommendations. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, it's Neil. I've got some huge news. Decoder is moving to Mondays and Thursdays. We're adding a second episode of the show. On Mondays, we'll have our classic interviews with CEOs and other troublemakers. I think we're going to have to start having conversations about how do we pay those jobs that can't be done by AI. And on Thursdays, we'll be explaining big topics in the news with Verge reporters, experts, and other friends of the show. There's a new generation of people on the internet. Google search has always sucked for them. So, you know, there's no reason for them to be loyal. They can just go to TikTok. This is going to be really fun. I'm very excited about all this. So go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts now. All right, round two. Boone, you get to go first. Uh, okay, I have an actual gadget for the Gadget Lab Hit recommendation. Uh, I like the Steam Deck. I like the Steam Deck quite a bit. <laughs> why, why did you sigh <laughs> because, deeply as soon as you said Because that. it's just a big switch, you know? Do you need it? Not really. Apparently, yes. But it's fantastic. <laughs> I really like it. Wait, um, are there games that you can play on Steam Deck that you cannot play on Switch? Uh, wait, yeah. wait, back up yeah, just yeah. a little bit. Tell the people what the Steam Deck okay, is. Okay, so the Steam Deck is is a handheld gaming device that lets you play PC games. It looks like a giant souped up Nintendo Switch that plays everything that you have in your Steam library. You can also, it runs Linux, so you can actually uh, use it as an, in desktop mode and run you know different programs on it so it's not all gaming stuff. Um, I have used that to just put other gaming services on it other than Steam. So I, you know, just getting all that I can out of it, I guess. Um, and it's great because I uh, uh, I had a lot of PC games when I was a kid. Um, they all just like languished in my Steam library and I just had never played them. And then so I got a Steam Deck and I'm able to play now just whatever random stuff while I'm sitting on my couch. And it's great. Uh, there's all this sort of new amazing technology coming out you know everybody has vr goggles and they're trying to make everything so immersive um and i just really like gaming technology that lets you just curl up in some blankets on your couch and just play there and be very cozy so it's fantastic i like it a lot um i will say if you're going to get one get the new one get the oled one <laughs> because i uh did the really cool thing of buying a steam deck like two months before the new oled one was announced which i should not have because i mean had i known a new one was coming out i would have waited for that one but that's definitely the one to get right and it came out about a month ago so yeah 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 and it's, it's available now sarah Mueller, one of our gaming contributors uh admonished me about that in the office the other day 
because uh, she brought the OLED and let us all try it out. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so much better. I shouldn't have got mine. She was like, I wrote a review about this and I said, wait for the next one. And you didn't listen to me. And I was like, you're right. You're right. I screwed up. I should have listened. So now listen, the OLED one is the one to get. It's great if you want to just sit there and have all of your games on the couch or on the airplane or I don't know running down a trail. I mean, you wouldn't be able to do that very long. The battery life's not very good, but right. uh, it's a fun device. I enjoy it. How much? Uh, okay, so I'm looking here on the website and it says that the OLED one is $549, which uh, I may walk this back a bit because that's a little much. Wait for a sale. <laughs> Wait for a sale and get it. Um, so it's it's a bit steep, but it it has been worth it. Right. If you love games, mm-hmm. then what does it matter? I, I mean, if you love games, you're probably spending mm-hmm. that much money on games already Fair. anyway. So... <laughs> True dad. Good rec. Okay. Lauren, what is your recommendation? All right. My recommendation is uh, also kind of a gadget, although I don't think it has a Bluetooth or wireless chip in it. It's the OXO Brew Adjustable Pour-Over Tea Kettle. This is an electric tea kettle, and this is a late-stage 2023 recommendation because someone just sent this to me as a gift, and already it is life-changing. Because it's pour-over style, it has a gooseneck, which I really like. It's electric. So uh, don't have to fire up the gas on the stove in order to just, you know, heat up a, a tea kettle. And it the adjustable part means that you can just dial it to the temperature of the water. And then you just watch. It's very satisfying. You just kind of watch the temperature rise on a little digital display. Uh, it happens really fast, too. So if you're doing like a light tea, for example, rather than, a, you know, a breakfast tea or Earl Grey or something darker, you might want to set it to around 160, 170. And it just, I mean, happens in minutes. So it's great. I love this. The, the carafe for the one I have is not super big, like probably make two or three cups of tea, but not more than that. Um, you can get a larger one. I'm pretty happy with the one I have now. I also sometimes use it to fill up hot water bottles at night, which I've recommended on the show before. This like pretty cheap um, hot water bottle that you like can basically cuddle with it to keep yourself warm or like throw it in your in your bed to warm up the sheets before you get in so yeah big fan we've talked about oxo on the podcast before we like oxo products i decided uh this was this was something that i wanted as a gift and so far it's been great so i recommend the oxo brew adjustable pour over tea kettle how much is this gadget? Right now, it's about $104 on the interwebs. There was a sale recently on Amazon and Wayfair where you could get it for about 25% off. So keep an eye out for sales. But yeah, you can expect to spend around $100. Which, you know, for context is around the high end of the normal cost of something like this, right? Yeah. A good, powerful electric kettle is going to cost you at least 60 bucks. And as much as like $100, $110. Correct. Yeah. The last one I had was a Cuisinart. And uh, I had it for many years. It rusted eventually. And that one was, I think, around the same price, maybe a little bit less at the yeah. time. But yeah. And that right. one had, this was that was a wire cutter recommendation, another website. But uh, uh, had that one had buttons that you could use to set the temperature, but it wasn't fully adjustable. Like if you want to get wild and just set your water temperature to 163, because why not? You can do that with the oxygen. It might be the ideal temperature for your favorite tea. It might be. You'll never know until, <laughs> until you, you try. try. <laughs> Mike, what's your next recommendation? I'm going to recommend a television show. It is uh, an animated science fiction show on the Max Network, and it is called Scavenger's Rain. 
That's Scavenger's Reign, R-E-I-G-N, like the reign of a royal person. Uh, it is a fantastic show. And it's weird for me to be recommending, first of all, something that's animated. And second of all, something that is science fiction, because most of the stuff out there does not hit the very high bar that I set for like my standards as to whether or not I can dedicate my precious television watching time to something. So this show far exceeded my expectations about what an animated sci-fi show is. It is not for kids. Uh, it's not particularly violent, but it is kind of scary. And it has sort of a pace that I think would appeal to kids who are very interested in bizarre science fiction, but probably would not keep kids interested who are, you know, not in, not into like the weirder stuff. Uh, you should watch it and then decide whether or not it would be right for your children. But <laughs> it's a fantastic show. The animation style is sort of a, a mashup of like Hayao Miyazaki style animation oh. and Mobius animation, like the the illustrator and animator from the 70s and 80s who was in, um, there's a seg segment of the heavy metal movie that was designed by Mo Mobius. Boone oh, is yeah. nodding, he oh, knows yeah. Mobius. So that's the style, right? It's kind of retro, kind of futuristic, really detailed, really beautiful. The story is um, sort of piece, you piece it together as you watch it. It doesn't tell you everything right away. You kind of have to sort of drop into this world and figure out what's going on. Uh, but yeah, it's a really fantastic show. Uh, I can't recommend it highly enough. I've been telling everybody about it and everybody who I have been telling about it also really likes it. So I've been getting good feedback on this recommendation in my friend circle. So now it's time to expand the recommendation to the wider world. That sounds awesome. Excellent. That yeah. is very uncharacteristic of you, Mike, but now I'm, that just widens the curiosity gap for me. I'm like, oh, I'm watch <laughs> All right, well, you got you to check it out. I think you'll like it. Sweet. All right, let's take another break and then we'll come back with our third and final recommendation segment for this week. Want a new podcast to look forward to each week? One that's entertaining, informative, and packed with actionable content? Come on, of course you do. Introducing The Jordan Harbinger Show. The Jordan Harbinger Show, which Apple named one of its best of 2018, is aimed at making you a better informed, more critical thinker so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your own conclusions about what's happening, even inside your own brain. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, from athletes, authors, and scientists, to mobsters, spies, and hostage negotiators. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R, B as in boy, I, N as in Nancy, G-E-R, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Okay. Here we are. We're at the end. This is the third and final segment of the show, and we have one round of recommendations left. Lauren, why don't you kick it off this time? Well, Mike, my third and final recommendation for this year is one that you recommended a while back. I was trying to think of a piece of art that really just stuck with me, just like stuck to my bones this year and wasn't some, you know, Apple TV or Netflix TV show that I just binged in the background while doing something else or um, something I was reading that felt sort of perfunctory. Like I, I was like, what's a thing that just like rattled me? And it was a 2021 film that you recommended I watch called The Worst Person in the World. Yes. <laughs> I know I'm that so I'm a happy. little bit 
behind here because it did come out in 2021 to critical acclaim. Um, it won all kinds of awards at the Cannes Film Festival. Did I say that correctly, Ken's? You Cannes, did, Cannes. yes. Okay. Yes. As you can tell, I've never been invited. Or my invite keeps getting lost in the mail. But the uh, mail. it's a Norwegian <laughs> film. It's the third film in a trilogy. It's directed by Joachim. Is that correct? I, I'm sorry. I don't speak Norwegian. Yeah. It's directed by, <laughs> I believe it's Joachim. Joachim Trier. Uh, and it's a story. I, you know, I don't even want to like describe it too much because I just want people to go and watch it if they haven't seen it already. But it's the story of a 30 something young woman who um, is having a hard time finding the right path for her. And the film is broken down into 12 chapters, kind of like a book. And you're taken through all these different scenes in her life, various jobs that she has. Um, but it's really focused on her love life and her relationships and, and two in particular. And I was just completely captivated by this movie and by the characters. And um, there's one scene in particular that I think is really relevant to what we do and how we think about technology and how we think about stuff and the and the pieces of the cultural artifacts that we accumulate throughout our lives and what they what they mean to us ultimately. Um, and I found that there was this kind of relief in watching the film. Uh, around letting go, letting go of other people's expectations of you, letting go of ideas or dreams that you thought you had, letting letting go, like just just following your own path uh, that I, I just I loved it. I absolutely loved the film. It's very sad. It is. I guess it's romantic comedy if you sure. had to categorize it, but it's sad. I'm going to warn you. <laughs> However, it also you should also warn everybody that um, the the song that plays over the end credits is the terrible Art Garfunkel version of um, Waters of March. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to get that granular, but Mike, this is why I really appreciate you. <laughs> Fair warning, when the credits people, start rolling, you hit the mute warned. button. Yeah. Uh, there were also some critiques of the film, and m most of the critiques centered on the woman protagonist, I mean, the, the main character, Julie, and some people arguing that she was a caricature of a flighty woman or that the, the movie didn't dive deeply enough into her interior life. And I suppose in some way those are all valid. But even, like as a woman watching it who is sensitive to those kinds of depictions of women in film, I, I didn't feel that way personally. I thought it was uh, just I thought she was. Uh, yeah, I just thought it was great. So I recommend that film. I recommend a 2021 film as to cap off my 2023 recommendations. That's great. I'm so happy that um, it resonated with you because it resonated with me. I think I've watched it five or six times now oh, since wow. it came out. Yeah. And I think one thing that you recommended to me that I ignored was just buy it, which I should have. And I rented it. So I should have <laughs> just bought it because it already would have paid for itself. So, yeah. I, I think it's on Hulu now. I don't subscribe to Hulu, but one of the few that I don't subscribe to. But yeah. Okay. Well, anyone who does can watch it there. Um, so thank you, Mike, for that. Thank It's just, yeah, great recommendation. Uh, You're welcome. Glad you liked it. I did read a lot of books this year, too, but I won't get into those. Um, maybe I'll post about it somewhere else at some point. But yeah, hit, hit my uh, my Goodreads goal, which I was happy about. But the, <laughs> I, I don't want to humble brag. <laughs> All right, Boone. Hey. You get to go next. What is your recommendation? I am going to recommend Ableton Live. It is a digital audio workstation for making music. Nice. I am not a music producer. I have never played an instrument. I am 
uh, whatever the stage before amateur is. Um, and I wrote a story for Wired a few years ago about trying to teach myself how to play an instrument, how to play music just by the resources online. And it turns out it was way harder than my idiot brain thought it was going to be. And I've just been kind of like slowly tinkering with stuff over the years since. And this year I tried Ableton Live, which if you're in the industry, I mean, you probably are like, well, yeah, you're recommending Ableton. That's like an industry standard. But I've just... I've just been using it for the first time and it feels very intuitive to me. I'm one of those sick little freaks who likes editing. I edit this show every week. Um, I like making things fit together in a way that sounds good. And so uh, doing this sort of like spreadsheet, but make it sound thing kind of like hits my brain in a certain way that like, I don't know, gives me dopamine hits or whatever. I'm not making anything good. I'm not making anything even remotely listenable, but I'm like slowly learning how to like how people build music and how people make stuff, whether it's, you know, various EDM beeps and boops or just, you know, chill, lo-fi, whatever. Beats you can beats. study to. Yeah, that you can study to. <laughs> I mean, maybe you don't want to study to these because they're borderline unlistenable, but it's just like. I've been learning more. I've been watching, you know, random YouTube videos. Ableton is actually, it's really complicated, but they make it really easy to learn because there's a lot of um, tutorial videos on Ableton and on YouTube just in general. Um, And it's just, I'm understanding a lot more about how music is made. Something that, you know, again, if you've played an instrument, you know, you're in five bands. Like if you played an instrument, this is probably all like stuff you've already figured out before, but I've. I've listened to music all my life. I enjoy listening to it. And this is a way to kind of understand it in a way that I I hadn't really wrapped my brain around it before. Nice. So um, I think one of the things that I've got, wanted to pursue it more or just like this understanding more is that it feels like AI is taking over everything. Um, I think we're you know at the point now where AI can already make better songs than I could even do <laughs> manually. And so I hope to get to the point where I understand enough about music production, even if I'm not doing it myself, that I can tell the difference when a song is produced by humans and like notice the subtle details that make it a human thing versus something that's like been spat out by an algorithm. So very nice. Is this inspiring you to consider taking music lessons? Uh, yes, but they're pricey. They are. Um, my, my, uh, I, I'm thinking of music lessons the same way as I think of going to the gym, which is something that like I'm able to do stuff at home and off of YouTube. And so I haven't gotten into it enough that I am actually taking that next step of, okay, getting off my butt, paying for something, going to a place and learning how to do it properly. Maybe 2024 is that year for me. <laughs> Have you played around with Ableton Note? No. Is that the app? Yeah, it's like a very sort of light, lightweight version of yeah. of live. Uh, so you can get it on your phone or on an iPad or whatever. And it you can start working on a project there, like on the bus. And then when you get home, you can, you know, send it to your computer and then work on it in a in a larger, more full-featured environment. Oh, that, that sounds great. I should definitely do that. Yeah, you should get into it. Can you play it out loud so I can annoy everybody on the bus? <laughs> yes. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> Yes, everybody will be like, ooh, what's that jam? No, <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I'm happens. sure. <laughs> that never happens. Mike, what is your final recommendation of the year? Oh, oh boy. Chili Crisp. Condiment of the year, for sure. Chili Crisp. Are you down? Do you know about Chili Crisp? Tell me more. Is okay. that one of your bands? 
No, it's not one <laughs> of my bands. It's a good band name. <laughs> it would be. It would. Uh, it's a condiment. Uh, it comes from China. It's been around for generations and generations, but um, lately it has enjoyed some popularity here in our part of the world. It is essentially hot chili oil, uh, so it usually has uh, hot chili pepper, Sichuan chili pepper for like a numbing effect. Uh, there's often garlic and five spice and anise and things like that in it, but you sort of it's crunchy, so if you stir it up, you get some of the particulate matter and some of the oil mixed up, and then you can like dollop it onto food. It's really good on fried rice. It's really good on pizza. It's really good on your avocado toast, on breakfast foods, on tofu. Works with just about anything savory. Uh, gives it a little bit of like a, an Asian spicy kick, right? Now, Chili Crisp has been around for a very long time. But uh, earlier this year, there was like a viral sensation with the chili crisp made by a company called Fly by Jing that apparently was sold out everywhere and people couldn't find it because it was so popular overnight. And Fly by Jing, their chili crisp is very good. Uh, but there are other ones that you can get that are not hard to find that have also been around for a long time. The one that everybody knows that is available at just about any Asian grocery store is called Lao Gan Ma. It's also just known as the grandma sauce because it has a little picture of a grandma on the label. Um, you can also, if you have like a Japanese store, you can find the ones made by the company S and B. That's like the letter S and then an ampersand and then the letter B. And those just have a little bit subtler flavor uh, and maybe more of like a Japanese flair. I'm really into the one by a company from the East Coast called Blank Slate. They make a Sichuan chili crisp, which is excellent. But the nice thing about chili crisp is that you can just make your own very easily. You need two kinds of oil. You need a lot of chili flakes. You need some spices, some garlic, and a mask. Uh, <laughs> because when you dump the oil onto all of the dry ingredients, it makes this giant plume uh, that fills your kitchen with, um, you know, chili pepper gas uh <laughs> but it's really excellent uh when you make your own because then you know you can make it as hot as you want or you can make it as as numbing as you want uh and you can use whatever kind of oil suits you you can use peanut oil or avocado oil or whatever you'd like so yeah chili crisp that sounds amazing it really does sound great keep a jar of it uh not in the fridge keep a jar of it on your countertop and put it on absolutely everything that you eat so is this the the number one condiment or spice for you in all of 2023 yeah for sure that's that's high praise because you are <laughs> you have a discerning palate i do but you know this stuff when you find a brand that you really like yeah. you just you start thinking of things that you can eat just so you have an excuse to put it on top of the thing that you're eating very cool amazing I'm going to try this. Mike, bring it into the lab sometime. Make us some avo toast. Oh, there you go. There's, I think there's some in the uh, there's some in the kitchen here at the Wired <gasps> office. I'm going right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks to both of you for bringing us your, your wonderful recommendations onto the show. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for being such a great host and co-host and Boone for being such an excellent producer for all of 2023. It's been a privilege to work with you guys on this. He's, he, what, what did you say? You're one of those weird freaks who likes to make us sound good every week. So thank yes. you for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my weird thing. <laughs> no, thank you guys. This is this has been great. I, I love being here. Great. Well, we'll have you back in a year. Uh, yeah. Thanks to everybody for listening. 
This show is produced by Boone Ashworth, who hey. is sitting right here in front of us. If you have any feedback, you can find all of us on the social webs. Just check the show notes and find us on Activity Pub. <laughs> <laughs> we'll Mike is offering uh, one-on-one consultations for how to set up your Mastodon and get on Activity Pub. So, yes. Yeah. yeah yes. I'm there. I, Boone and I will be at the gym together, but Mike will help you out. <laughs> Uh, We will be back with one more show this year, and then we'll see you in 2024. And until then, goodbye. Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Muna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com. Thank you.